0: Hello everyone and welcome to this Nintendo Life episode 242. My name is NBZ and uh, I'm looking at a calendar here, Bally. Mm -hmm. We are 75 days away from the next Legend of Zelda game being in the world. How does that make you feel?
1: Excited. I just hope it runs well. That's my main fear. That's Mm -hmm. just like, you know, there's just so much hype going on with this game and we are so close, as you say. And I feel like we know absolutely nothing or close to absolutely nothing about that game.
0: Yeah, it's uh, it's a blank slate canvas. Uh, and as much as I would like to know a bit more, there is one of those things of like, you know... You just go into it not knowing anything is it more exciting potentially because uh, you could be let down you could be uh you know elated um but you know i'm i'm excited regardless and i'm excited to play that when i'm in japan i think it'll be a, a fun time uh, i might not get to binge it as much as i did with the first game because i remember that like first weekend i was like doing nothing else that's all i did i barely ate even food uh, so uh so yeah i'll uh, i'll probably not be in that situation
1: you cooked more food inside the game than outside the game L-
0: honestly that is true uh, that is a real statement that you could make about it um but hello uh bali how are you doing how things going
1: i'm doing well i'm doing well um the family is healthy again touch wood for now so like we're not taking special leave at work to look after bali jr bali jr is not getting sent home he's not making my parents ill which then means they can't look after him yeah Um, Oh, all the joys of january um and having a baby but uh yeah we're, we're doing good how about you
0: yeah, I'm doing well. Uh, not too bad. Been doing some fun stuff recently. Going to be doing some more fun stuff this year. I'm traveling a lot this year. We were just talking about, so yeah. um, it's going to be interesting. Uh, and I'm sure I'll have a lot to talk about. For so
1: those who don't know, where are you going? What's happening?
0: Oh God, I'm going to San Francisco for GDC. Uh, I'm going to back to Scotland to do a whole little talk thing. I'm going to Japan for fun. Uh, it's going to be uh, it's going to be a jet setting year. Uh, so uh, lots of lots of stuff to be done. And who knows? Maybe there's more in the latter half. I'll probably be going to germany again for gamescom as well Oof. so yeah um, i should probably just get my air miles going yeah, that's go. what i need to do uh get, get some free flights in there so oh, we're not um, go,
1: we're not really going as far as that to be honest until yeah i don't then. think you can <laughs> you're kind of, tie, kind of
0: tied down uh, very tied down um we'll but there. uh you know nintendo switch is a, it's a good travel companion so i'm sure oh, yes. we'll be uh, getting a lot of stuff played on planes are you
1: going to bring the steam deck and the switch it's a really hard choice isn't it like what do you do obviously you're going to bring your amber nick because that's, that's that's little that's just a little guy
0: yeah exactly i can fit that anywhere that's great uh playing Luffy or 2 wherever i want to go but yeah steam deck versus switch of like what do you bring do you bring both like do you have, I have I a carry
1: case did... for your steam deck
0: i do yeah it's big chunky boy it's so so massive um uh it's very hard to fit in anything if i'm <laughs> honest like it's almost like it's like do i need to have a carry case it might be easier to just like put it in a slip case or something because um but uh but it is a delicate piece of hardware so you do want to keep it safe but um yeah it's it's a question isn't it it's like i guess it depends what i'm playing at the time and like what makes more sense right because if i'm going to japan i'm mainly just gonna be playing zelda So there's no really much point to taking a steam deck but a steam deck on a plane that long would be really nice so mm-hmm. yeah it's a tricky tricky balance to to find well I'll, I'll figure it out i'm sure um but uh we're not here to talk about steam decks on planes we're here to talk about nintendo switches in our hands at home uh and other Video game platforms, uh, which we have, uh, you know, some different ones that we're going to be checking out, um, uh, older Nintendo platforms uh, in, a, in a little bit. Um, but, um, Bally, uh, what are we going to be talking about today on the show?
1: For the first segment, we've got the games that we have been playing, and the second segment, we're going to talk about some emails that you guys wrote in to us with.
0: Absolutely. Um, we also just want to say a quick shout out to everybody who did the survey uh, that we put out uh, for a, a couple of uh, episodes there uh, thank you everybody for doing that we'll be going through it and having a look and uh, you know making some decisions and some choices based on what you've uh, fed back to us so very much appreciate that uh, and also just want to shout out uh, hey if uh, you're someone who wants some more of this show uh, we do more of it on patreon you go to patreon.com slash this Nintendo life and you can listen to us talk about various things uh, that are not Nintendo so games like hi fi rush which which just came out. Uh, we just talked a bunch about on our most recent episode of this Nintendo Life, what which is our Patreon what exclusive show. Yeah, hell of a game. Very big Nintendo energy. Yeah, uh, that game has. Definitely sure. recommend
1: that episode if you're.
0: Yeah, interested. Absolutely. Um, but let's get into things with the video games. What we've been playing, uh, Bali. It came out, uh, the RPG you've been waiting all your life for, uh, oh or at least last life. five years for. Uh, um, <laughs> Octopath Traveler 2 uh, finally dropped. Um, I have not yet picked it up. Uh, you have, as a big fan of the first game. And I am being convinced to by various people on Twitter mm. and stuff like that, but I'm still, I think the thing that broke me and made me not want to get it, um, I'm trying to be a bit better about not getting every single thing <laughs> uh, day one this year. But also, I watched the IGN review, and the IGN review did bring up grinding a bunch, which was yeah. one of my pet peeves from the first game. So I kind of just want to wait a bit and see what more people have to say and you especially just to hear from uh you know what, what yeah, your thoughts yeah. are but um but yeah i know that you've uh, jumped back in and have uh, uh played a bit more of the game so uh yeah what are your thoughts so far
1: yeah i'm super early i'm only four hours in so i've only played like a little bit more than everyone else was allowed to play with the demo anyway and i've done the first chapter of three characters uh thrown a uh, and yes oswald um and you had played the oswald and temenos first chapter yes i did they're both pretty strong chapters yeah i think Thrones was strong as well like i think all three chapters would be probably in the top half of strong stories from the first game if i had to compare and like i said before just the the music i think does feel like a step up honestly the the visuals are probably probably the biggest step up i think there's a real dynamic camera to the battles i think that when you actually compare side by side h d two d and what it looks like in twenty eighteen versus now, there's a real glow up to like what they've done. I think that the, the sprites themselves look better, the environments there's a lot more like clouds drifting over and shadows created in the areas and just the depth with like obviously the main strength of h d three h d two d i guess it's like seeing that depth in like your two d sprites in this deep world. I think it all just looks better, like, lighting-wise. I think Octopath 1 really went for this quite harsh at times bloom effect, especially in some of, like, the watery caves in that game. It was like, woof, god, my eyes are, like, shining and bright by the light. And this game just feels a lot more cohesive and and put together. Um, I don't have much more to say. I don't want to spoil all the stories and things, but I do think Oswald's in, in particular very strong Mm -hmm. um i do like the new abilities that the characters have in battle where it's this meter that builds up whenever you break an enemy or you're hit by an enemy and every all eight characters have a unique ability and choosing when and where to use that so for example mentioned last time but like throwing these abilities have another turn back to back um or oswald is rather than using a magic attack that attacks everyone it focuses all that power onto a single enemy which is very useful for bosses and knowing when to use those attacks i think could be very crucial especially with the tougher boss fights in this game um but again the the paths are incredibly linear and the world is very linear the map very clearly shows you where leads to where there's not a whole lot of Open exploration that you might get in other JRPGs, and that's fine. They're very much sticking very closely to the formula of the first game so far. And in terms of like you liking the game, MEZ, I mean, my I did not have grinding issues with the first game, I know you did. My main issue with the first game was I wanted the stories to come together a bit more, and I've heard enough from reviews to suggest that. that, in part, does happen. So that's what I'm looking forward to. So I may be the wrong person to ask if you would like this game or not, but certainly there's other voices out there who were much harsher on the grinding in the first game that might might have a different view to me on how it works in the second. So yeah, I, I, I think I think I will enjoy this game very much. I'm sceptical whether you will, but um, I am absolutely loving it so far. And like I said, I'm only four hours in, but hopefully I've, I'll play a good chunk for next time.
0: Yeah, I think you mentioned something about like being gated off from going in a certain direction because i was interested why did you go up to oswald because it seemed like you were wanting to go south instead
1: yeah i thought i already know about oswald from you talking about so i might as well try something different i think i tried this in the in the first game as well i think we tried to we were on opposite sides of the map i believe and we went opposite ways and that was fun so yeah i was like i'd I'd like to get to a in the south because i know mbz has done temenos and oswald and I looked on my map, and you go to, like, the sewer that's um, just at the south end of Throne's area, and I just could not get beyond, there was there was just no clear path letting me get through, and I couldn't work it out, I just could not work out how to get south, um, and uh, so one of our listeners in Discord, uh, they also started with Throne and had exactly the same issue, hmm. could not go south, and they went north to Temnos and Oswald, so... I'm intrigued if anyone out there has started with Throne and then gone to Ochette as your second character. And a question for all Octopath 2 Traveler players, is it possible to go clockwise instead of anti-clockwise with these characters? Because I assumed uh, it was, uh, but I certainly wasn't able to with Throne onto Oshet. So Oshet probably going to be the last character (laughs) I play as now if I go around in a big circle, but uh, that's fine. It's not not a huge deal, but I would have liked a bit more flexibility there.
0: I don't think you can. I think when you get Oswald, you then have to come back to the mainland so you can't go up in the kind of top half of the map. Like, you can't keep going around all the way to Hikari the Warrior now. that I don't think that's possible because the way Oswald's story resolves kind of forces you back onto the main continent. So right. I think you will have to... So,
1: so who, which character
0: did you play after Oswald? i did temenos um, and after temenos who would you have gone to next Thronate. i would have just gone down to thrown throne i would right. have gone mm. down i would have gone down right so I, there must be a way through that so i'm not i don't know So you're
1: being forced clockwise it's interesting yeah i think you are Wait, yeah which no you've been forced clockwise i've been forced anti-clockwise yeah because i'm making a point that i'm stuck below thrown in the series right. and you're making a point that you can't go anti-clockwise to what's it he called hecaro uh, hikari yeah hikari the, um the warrior the warrior from um oswald yeah he's like all
0: (laughs) the way on the other side of the map like they're the furthest away it seems like they are like there's a big there's a big gap at the top where there's no characters it is it is like a kind of crescent moon like on the bottom of the map essentially Ah, um so i don't think i think you're gonna have to go south eventually Hmm. so but i don't know how you get past that section have you looked it up online at all
1: I tried a bit, and there wasn't enough there, and mm. uh, that's, I guess, to do the nature that it's not been out very long, but yeah, by the time I get stuck and try it, I'm sure there will be a solution. Um, it might have just been like a day-night thing with the sewer. Oh, um, could it have been, yeah. I, I believe the sewer is only open at night, so right. I think I had to be night to get into the sewer and go south, but it still didn't. There just wasn't a path. Yeah. I don't know. I, very strange. But the fact that someone else on Discord had the same issue makes me think I'm not going mad. So yeah, I know going
0: on. you can change day and night whenever you want. Yes. I'm not sure if that applies to being inside places like the sewers because the sewers would that count as a dungeon space potentially?
1: Uh, no, there's no, no, there's no. It's not dungeon. I'd say, um, but I, you can only access the sewer at night, I believe. So right. I don't, I don't think you can change it to day.
0: But could you go into the sewer? at night change it today while you're in the sewer and maybe activate something that's all i'm
1: yeah maybe maybe that seems very finicky for this game yeah one other gripe i have with the game is i think the side quests are incredibly poorly and when i say side quests i mean like there are specific characters in towns that have errands for you to do yeah um not there are also joint side quests which i've not unlocked yet apparently even later in the game where you can do you actually do a quest with two characters together and they interact. So this is very clear.
0: Right, which seem a bit more narratively focused. Right. right.
1: And I look forward to those. I quite like to do those. But the the kind of individual side quests where it's like, I'm a townsperson person and I need this thing. I really am not I've not I've tried to do well, I've not tried that hard because I was underleveled, but I don't like how unclear they are and how there's not just like uh there's not like a menu that just lists all the side quests you need to do and how to do them it's right. a, there is a menu that says the area and then within the area it says uh, it says all list of side quests but it doesn't say any more on whether it's complete or not how to do it where to go to do it um and for a game that is very much waypoints and to go to this place next and being linear and being very clear about where to go I think that that's a bit of a shame when I might be up for some of those side quests you know I'd like to gain some levels maybe explore the world a bit more but it just feels a little um, obtuse compared to what the Mm. rest of the game is going for uh, which I thought is a little bit of a shame but I might try some of those later
0: yeah i I seem to remember that being a problem with the first game as well like i don't remember doing side quests in the first game and i think it's partially because they were of that similar design where there's not really a quest log it's just a list of like tasks and mm. then you just are like well how do i actually achieve any of these right there's, yeah there's no real uh understanding there and like going back to the npcs doesn't really help either because they don't really say anything exactly. much um exactly. so yeah i I think that's kind of uh something that they've brought over as as an issue but i i I hope that those more expanded side quests are good ways of gaining levels and actually like doing a bit more narrative stuff at the same time which would be a good way of mitigating some of the grinding right yeah Um, which i hope exactly
1: but um loving it so far i think the advantage of the first chapters is that you play those first chapters just as the new character uh and then they might have a couple of characters within that first chapter that kind of help you out and mm. i like how focused and the start of stories are always often strong in my opinion like i just quite like the start of stories and it being introduced to what what what's what's behind this character's emotions and where they their backstory and things and i think the first three chapters have been really strong so sure i've got five more chapters to play of the first chapters as it were but i'm really really enjoying it so far and i, I really enjoyed the first chapters with the first game as well it's maybe the Second and third, and arguably some of the fourth chapters that were a little weaker, but I do think the first chapters generally are stronger.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah, all all the setup is always the most interesting part, right? Because totally. you have a you have a goal, and you kind of start getting hints at what is potential. It's this question: Can they deliver on the rest of it? Right? Yeah, um, yeah. So yeah, fingers crossed for that. Sounds good. Uh, so yeah, I'll I'll hopefully play it at some point this year and um, nice. pick it up. But uh, yeah, sounding good so far. Um, have been playing uh, an old game a uh, little old gba game by the name of Kurukuru Kuru, Kuru, Kuru Rin, um a game that uh, i've been interested in for a very long time and obviously dropped on the switch online service um and uh it's a game about a stick uh so <laughs> this stick just spins it just spins forever and ever uh so if no one if, if you haven't seen this is basically a um it's kind of like a maze game essentially where this stick is endlessly spinning and and you can't control the rate of that spin what you can control is the speed at which the stick moves which is helpful for certain things but for example say that the stick is spinning uh clockwise right and you have to go round a corner you're basically moving the stick as it spins clockwise as it goes round the corner in order to kind of navigate those spaces and if you hit the the side of a wall or anything you take uh, 1 hp damage um and you know eventually if you take too many hits you die and you have to restart um now the thing with this game is that i think if i had played it as a child on the gba originally I would have gotten approximately i don't know 10 levels in and then rage quit and never played it again because um it gets very very difficult uh quite quickly and i think one of the issues is that this was in an era where like smart checkpointing and uh stuff like that didn't really exist so what you what you do come across is as you're going through these obstacles you'll eventually get to a point where it's like oh there's a heart room so you get to this heart kind of area this kind of like checkpointy area but it doesn't checkpoint you it just heals you so you can take a couple of hits get to that area full heal yourself and then go and take on the next challenge but i think the real trick with this game is not knowing what's coming right and because you don't know what's coming a lot of it becomes trial and error which means that if you were playing this back on the day on gba you would be going you know towards an area you know get there and you'd be like okay let's go and take on this next challenge and you'd get hit very quickly and die and you'd be like what the hell just happened i'm going to have to get all the way back there just to see what the next part of the map is right and so it would i think it would cause problems with uh you know you would just get tilted right where you would you would get to one point and then you would spend so long like getting back to that one point um that you would get there and by the time you're there you're like oh i have another new thing to learn about this stage um and i think that for people who want that kind of hardcore challenge i mean you can still do that uh it's still possible however uh, i took the view that Uh, well, these heart checkpoints here are basically checkpoints, so I'm just going to treat them like that. And that's basically how I played the game, where I wasn't making like endless checkpoints at endless points in time just to like inch my way forward slowly and and be perfect about it. But I was being like, okay, every time I get to a heart, I'm going to set a checkpoint here and use that as my starting point. Because frankly, it just, it would have just taken way longer and would have been way more frustrating otherwise. Um, I do think that there are some stages here that are just like, super brutal in a way that you like you almost need perfect timing in order to get through some sections and um i i, I think that it, it the balancing was just kind of built for a different era right an era where people were you know if they bought a gba game they don't want to finish it in two hours and be done with it yeah. and i did take about two and a half three hours to finish cura cura but that's because i was able to kind of place my own checkpoints down and, and do it that way with save states so, i think
1: how long to beat had it like four hours so maybe had yeah. you not done your own checkpointing method you probably would have taken about four hours so
0: yeah maybe a bit longer than that it, de- it depends because like the last levels are really difficult um mm. one of the things that is uh, a little annoying for me personally about it is like you get to the end and it doesn't give you credits because then they're like uh actually you need to go and collect all these fucking birds in the level i'm like i'm not fucking doing it now i'm not going Ugh. back and getting all the birds just for you to give me credit um Ugh. so i did i did finish all the levels I need my credits yeah exactly um so i did i did finish all the levels but then you just kind of sit there at the end and it feels like a little bit uh, unresolved in a way so um yeah I, that's just a personal pet peeve of mine but um that's totally cool i get it like it they definitely wanted to encourage you to again, I think, get a bit more time out of this than you would have otherwise, given uh, the nature of the game and the kind of level-based uh, style that it is and, and how, how short it could be otherwise. But I think at a base concept, I just really like it. Like, I do really enjoy it. It is it's this really fun thing where, you know, obviously you do need to know what's coming a little bit and kind of plan ahead, but... Um, you know there are there are certain objects in the environment that you can interact with so springs are a great example where you know a spring will change your direction so if you're spinning clockwise but the edge of your paddle hits a spring it will start spinning you the other way and you get into these really complex things where you're kind of you're going down a very straight corridor and you want to stay pretty much straight the whole way so you're basically doing this this technique where the top of your paddle hits the spring you move your paddle up and as it swings the other way round the bottom of your paddle hits the spring and you almost have this like back and forth back and forth like never never going too much uh, horizontally but staying as vertical as you can essentially with the stick um just doing these light taps on the spring as you go up and more like advanced techniques like that i think is is a really cool thing that this game does and then utilizes those mechanics quite well throughout um i did find that you do have to use holding down the a button quite a lot to get through certain sections where you know if you were just to go at the regular speed you're not moving quick enough to like make that corner uh correctly or to uh to to hit that uh checkpoint or whatever right like there's there's no there's there's a necessity almost to using that speed up function in order to get through some of these challenges Mm. um and yeah and things do get very tricky right like there's a section near the end where they start introducing these these rolling spiky balls which will just come out of holes and start moving around you have to kind of navigate around those there are some cannons that start firing at you um there's like a bunch of like really tricky spring puzzles that you're kind of going around in a circle to activate a thing and then going back around to kind of get through another area um yeah i mean it's a it's a great fun game um and i do recommend people check it out just with a caveat that like you'll probably get frustrated if you go at this uh the way that the game does it because you know what it does do as well is there's a classic thing of like you died okay i'm going to take you back to the level screen then you have to press a to start it again and press a to get past the intro screen to start doing it again so i often at at the very start of every stage i would just create a save state right at the start as your as your um your paddle is spinning uh just so that as soon as i died i am just like reload save state done um and that's that's the best way to do it the quickest and most efficient way to do it as opposed to uh because you want this game to be more of a super meat boy right like ultimately you want it to be like i died i'm straight away starting again but because it was created during an era where those kind of uh design uh ethos hasn't hadn't been kind of like widespread yet and technology wasn't really there yet to do that kind of stuff quickly um it's uh yeah you can you can make it yourself uh, it's, a, it's a do-it-yourself job but um, definitely a space yeah. for
1: a modern version with much faster better checkpointing and yeah. much faster
0: respawning like because it's a great concept
1: i only did the tutorial area and i saw thought it was, it was really cool i'd like to get to the rest of this game some point this year and yeah it's just a cool bizarre very japanese
0: concept um
1: but it's, it's
0: really good fun yeah there was a game called oh i can't remember but it was using a limo there was a limo that oh, right. was being used and i remember giant bomb talked about it a bunch and i can't remember the name of the game it'll come to me at some point but um yeah that that was a game that uh, also took that concept um i think it was in like a kind of crazy taxi format where you're right. like, driving people around but this limo is endlessly spinning um so i think that there's there's definitely room for someone to come back to this idea i think there were other v- uh, versions of the game as well there was a gamecube uh, release i think in japan only um so yeah i'd like to check out some of those other Mm. ones but um the other thing this game has is it has like a bunch of challenge levels as well Uh, so i started playing a few of those also and um those are more bite-sized which actually works a little bit better because they are they're much shorter and so they don't have like the super heavy punishment for dying, um, and then having to just restart—you uh, know, all the way back at the beginning. Because you know, there, there are legit some of these levels that take two minutes, and you need like two minutes of perfection in order to get all the way to the end. And um, and these challenge levels are much more like this will take you about five to ten seconds to do, right? But you just need to absolutely nail it, and you just need to be perfect about it. Um, and yeah, those ones really require you to hold down the A button to just speed up your movement because uh, you're you're not going to get the uh, the star rating otherwise because you basically if you complete it underneath the target time and without being hit by any of the barriers then you get a star rating on it so i i, I starred the first section of those levels and then I, I started playing a few of them and and you know i might go back to it every now and again it's it is one of those kind of endless gobstopper games where you're like oh i just feel like playing a bit of Kura, Kura, Kura and i'll just jump in and you know it's a good podcast game before bed That's that's how i was playing it mostly and um yeah i, I really enjoyed it a lot so uh now that it's available for more people to to try out i, I highly recommend giving it a go it's it's you know of the gba games on there it's one of the few that i hadn't played so it's it's uh, one that uh, was good to tick off the backlog and and get through so um yeah check it out um valley we Played something else as well, cooperatively, uh, a co-op game that came out uh, that was shown in Nintendo Directs multiple times uh, and came out on Switch. And we thought, let's jump in, let's play this short little co-op game. Uh, the game is Blanc, uh, the uh, which we were like, oh well, I wonder what country this development team comes from, and then we're like looking it up and like, oh France, and we're like, oh we're fucking idiots. It's called Blanc. <laughs> of course, it's, it's from French people. Um, but Bal, do you wanna set up what Blanc is?
1: uh blonk is a little kind of co-op puzzler uh where one player plays as a little wolf and the other plays as a little deer uh, one character is black one character is white the entire world is black and white so it's like really going for this unique art style and you just kind of run along together and you come across puzzles and you solve these puzzles and then keep going and that's about it it only took us Mm -hmm. about maybe two and a half hours two hours yeah i think so yeah wasn't too long and i can't really think of many other games that are this overtly like co-op like from the same kind of camera perspective necessarily it's like a an incredibly scaled down that takes two perhaps but um yeah uh, yeah it's i i didn't i didn't really have the best time with this game i think that the The moments where we were just kind of frolicking along in the snow together onto the next point were kind of like the best parts of the game where we weren't doing asked to do anything overly specific and we were just kind of existing in the game world together i think mm-hmm. was kind of the fun bit and it's fun that the the wolf is animated very differently to the deer and they react very differently on ice and things like that and there's little areas where you you're you you can kind of almost sled down on your body down these areas that were kind of like maybe the best parts of the game where we were just kind of sledding down these mountain uh slopes together mm-hmm. and then when we would come across puzzles all of a sudden the pace very much changes it's like right you have to move this to here and, and th- move this to there and i think for the first few puzzles it felt fine it felt it was understa- very simple it very starts simple. very simple
0: and then you get to a point where it just kind of ramps complexity onto
1: it, it ramps up so much and then all of a sudden the camera is going much further out and the camera's not always keeping up the best and it's sometimes not very clear what's meant to happen uh, the input doesn't feel great on certain like elements in the environment and the whole game just came to a sluggish stop for me where these when the puzzles ramped up and it was one into the next into the next and the way that we were engaging with the environment just didn't feel fun anymore and it it really dragged on and it felt like yes this game has a good artistic thing that it's going for but a, similar to a game like i don't know something like maquette it's like it's a great idea on paper but mechanically the game's just not strong enough and this game blanc just doesn't feel mechanically strong enough to be a fun game um because you need solid good feeling mechanics as almost especially in a, a two-player co-op game where you're interacting with the world in the way you are like It's almost a higher threshold to making the game feel smooth and easy to transition to the next area. And this game just didn't have that. And it kind of flopped in my mind a bit by the end, unfortunately
0: yeah I'm, I'm a little bit more positive on it i think if i had played it on my own i would be more in the place you're in but i think because it was co-op i was like well you know i can i'm, I'm kind of like we're kind of suffering through it together so it almost like makes yeah. it more enjoyable in that way um which which i thought was was all right but i think the the problem it runs into is that you know the puzzles that just involve you and me where you're like okay uh you jump on this thing i'll jump on your back to get up higher then i need to stand on this uh seesaw to bring it over there like some of those opening ones were were quite good because you're like you're looking at the puzzle you're assessing it you're figuring out and the mechanics are built well enough to handle that where it runs into stumbling blocks is when it starts introducing other elements like you know other animals like the geese who we were uh, trailing along with so there's this mother goose and she has her three kids and you basically go along with them to try and help them to get through areas and there's this mechanic they have this wind mechanic where you know if your character is standing uh you know in front of one of these little goose slings gosling sorry uh, as we discovered uh, as i discovered anyway that's how you say uh, a little goose is a gosling apparently like ryan fucking gosling um and uh, and you have to protect them from the wind so you move up this mountain and there's this little kind of circle that appears like within the sphere of your character that's like a basically a safe space so you know if you keep the the gosling inside that safe space then you can get it all the way up to the top of the place right and that was fine to be begin with and then we got to this one section where you know i'm in the middle of this kind of like patch where there are these kind of two bushes and you know you're there's a wind that's going sideways and you're trying to like move them all the way up a certain path and then they move over to me and i have to catch the midair and then move them up to this little platform and i swear to god we spent like 15 to 20 minutes on this one puzzle and this is where Mm. the game just completely slowed to a halt because the mechanics were not well built enough to handle what they had presented with it right it wasn't accurate enough it wasn't well i don't know potentially programmed enough for it, for it to make sense where like it was felt so finicky and the times yeah. in which we did succeed felt like luck fluke, more than yeah. skill and totally. fluke yeah essentially um and and that I thought would be just you know maybe we'd get past that and be fine. But then they introduce this other element where they, these two goats that follow you, and these goats don't really have a clear way in which they control. Like they they are kind of mimicking what your character is doing. One of them's black, one of them's white. So like the the one that's black is like similar to the wolf, and you're kind of whatever the wolf did, they would mimic. And I thought like oh okay, like this this could be okay, but yeah. it's a because, fun idea in, in theory,
1: yeah. but the execution is is lacking.
0: Right, the AI just isn't good enough to keep up with it and so you come into these situations where it's like i want you to just just do the thing and it, it's not because there's no there's no clear control like you don't have control over it you're just kind of hoping that the ai does its job uh, and does the same thing as you do at the same time and um i think that's where it's, it stumbles the most is it it bites off more than it can chew in that sense of like oh this would be a fun idea but it feels like they said this would be a fun idea and then didn't think about the practicalities of how to actually make it work from a gameplay perspective yeah um so yeah i i think that it definitely has those fun moments like i like the fact that it's black and white and the snow and the way that that all works and as you said the ice is very fun it's a nice environment Um, yeah it is yeah and the animation is really good Um, i would say that like if you want to play this at a a decent performance level don't play the switch version because it, it, the frame rate is not very good like we got used to it and i think it was fine i didn't mind it that much yeah. but um yeah it's it's a little rough as 3d indie games tend to be on the switch you know they're not the ideal place to play but you know it's really the only online version of this game that Bally and i could play together because i think it's only on pc and switch so obviously you don't have pc so it wouldn't work that way so we'd have to go with the switch version but um you know i'm always a big fan of co-op games uh and you know there aren't that many out there that we can do that are like this that are also online so mm. um i i i enjoyed it just for that fact i guess uh more than anything else but um i do think that it's it's probably worth waiting on a sale and being like you know i'll knock this out in an evening with you know a significant other or a friend or whatever and i think that that uh that probably is, is the best way to approach it because um, yeah yeah it it definitely needs a bit of fine tuning and definitely cleaning up and stuff.
1: i'd say like the first half up until the geese i was sitting on a seven at a ten or something and then after yeah. that i probably dropped to like a six or a five and yeah, yeah it's maybe a little harsh but like i just yeah it was, i was having a good good time just kind of frolicking yeah. along for the most part like in the snow and the very simple puzzles and you know last of us at LA and joel are you looking yeah. up here and i'll do okay right well, i'll come over here and that was fun and then yeah really went downhill <laughs> with, with the geese uh-huh. um and after that it was it was just a bit finicky and we should say the the plot um it's incredibly light i think yeah um, super
0: it's, simple very storybook essentially yeah there's um,
1: really nothing hard hitting in there um not that the games like this need something hard hitting
0: um, no i mean there are moments where i was like oh are they gonna like are, are they, they gonna, gonna go do, go do there? the thing are they gonna do, they thing? do the, the thing and then they're but like yeah. no it's fine they're okay it's yeah. all good <laughs> like okay yeah. fine like this game's clearly yeah it's not it's you might think it's gonna make you cry at the end yeah no nah, i don't think so it's not really it's going for good. that um it's so, not
1: brothers a tale of two sons
0: no certainly not no although right like ironically you could play this like that game um where yeah. if you're playing single player i believe you control each character with the different sticks i could
1: not imagine some of those later puzzles doing that control option honestly yeah.
0: i'd go bananas yeah holy shit um that's why i was yeah thinking like if i was to play this on my own i think i really would walk away from it way more negative mm. um and you know i don't think it's the greatest game in the world either like i i, I, th- I think it has a good deal of problems but you know it was fun i enjoyed my time you know so i'm i was i was pretty happy in a
1: world where there's not that many games like this and we jump in together online and play something together it's fun like yeah it's, it's good uh, we need more games
0: that do ideas behind Blanc better i think yeah totally totally um so yeah that was Blanc. uh the last thing that i want to check in with uh, is a game that so the game that i kick-started a decade ago i think <laughs> at this point um and uh, had been waiting for, i think i've talked about it multiple times on the show uh ghost song uh ghost song which was a kickstarter uh, by a guy called matt white um who uh, i think i find found out about it through johnny on rfn who had mentioned it on twitter and i clicked through to it and i was like well this sounds exactly up my alley you know and i think like back then in 2012 2013 um you know metroidvanias were kind of coming back around like we had guacamelee and stuff like that but there weren't that many indie metroidvanias being made now
1: there's 40 a year
0: <laughs> uh-huh exactly so I, th- I think that's one of the issues here right is that um you know back then i was like oh this looks just like metroid i want to get my money behind something like that and there was a um there was an early bird tier that's how early i was with this Kickstarter where you could get the game for ten dollars as opposed to fifteen for a limited number of spots. So I just managed to squeeze my way in there for that ten dollars spot. So that ten dollars over a decade has uh, eventually paid off in me uh, in me getting a version of this game. Uh, back then, Bali, they were promising a Wii U version of Ghost Song. Uh, you know, can uh, you can you guess yeah. what happened to that version? Uh, did not did not come out. So um, yeah, they they obviously you played got this on, on PC i did because i backed it then for just it's also on switch another it's on switch yeah and it's on everything um so and i believe it it runs totally cool on on every platform um so what is this game it is a uh it's a metrovania right um and as you said like things i think standards have definitely changed in in the last few years of uh, you know there have been some big big names in the genre uh, lots of games doing different things uh, there are so many you can you can play so many different types and styles uh, so many kind of tones as well you know like there are there are more kind of happy clappy ones like haiku the robot which is one i want to get to that's like a um almost sepia toned but like more bright happy uh, metrovania or you have like ender lilies or blasphemous like much more dark souls inspired metroidvania so they kind of run the whole gamut and um to be honest like there aren't actually that many just straight up metroid rip-offs like ghost song like the character is basically samus like they look like samus they have a blaster rifle that is the same kind of design as the arm cannon that samus has um but it is a bit more of a uh, ghostly you know as the name suggests a bit more ethereal not horror like maybe edge of horror but like a bit more um dark a darker tone i would say uh, than than those games and again kind of doing some of the dark souls mechanics that you found before so stuff like in Hollow Knight, where you drop all of your currency Mm. same thing here if you die you drop it but then there's also another harsh element here where if you die your suit your kind of um your ghost's uh, shell gets chipped away at and so there's there's a little bit of like red that eats into your health bar and every time you die it gets bigger and bigger and bigger so your health bar keeps getting chipped away and you can only restore that by going to a robot and paying to fix yourself to fix all those repairs that sounds like Um, a really fun mechanic oh yeah super fun Uh, especially when there are about 3 of these robots in the game oh, and God. fast traveling to them is a nightmare. Um yeah, so I mean I I started playing this game in November and um and I think I, so here's the thing i didn't actually finish the game uh, the, the the screenshot i posted on twitter of credits is actually fake because oh, i just oh. i just clicked the credits oh, on the main screen. now yeah 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 uh, i clicked credits on the main screen so I'm, like, I'm just done with this game now basically so i <laughs> i, I, I not, never, i'm sorry. not gonna finish this game I, I i never never will um despite being very excited about it and kick-starting it um, but it shows you how much time can change uh you know your perspective on things and uh, how things you know around uh, you know if this game had come out i don't know earlier even a few years earlier i think uh, my perspective might have been a bit different but um, it needs
1: to hit that pre-hollow Knight window doesn't it
0: sure yeah totally and um and there are a few things that i think even back then i would have been a little bit uh you know against like it it feels finicky right like there's there's kind of a lack of polish to it in a way in the sense that the movement um the movement is fine but i think it's some of the extra stuff around it so you have a dash you have a kind of air dash that's also a ground dash that you can use to dodge through enemies but it often feels like it's it doesn't quite achieve what you want to do like the direction you're facing sometimes you'll dash in the opposite direction when you're kind of like in a uh, you know intense boss fight you have to be very specific about which way you're turning and facing in order for that to trigger properly um just like running away from enemies like enemies generally feel like they have way too much health bosses especially are just overloaded sponges and like the first boss you come across in the game is just like how am i supposed to beat this thing like it feels unreasonable the level that i'm at the amount of stuff that i have to use here um to take them down now the thing is like mechanically i think it has some cool ideas because the idea is you your blaster cannon your arm cannon heats up so you do a bunch of shots and eventually it will overheat and it'll get red and so your shots will slow down and they'll do a bit less damage and what that means is that you then switch over to a melee weapon and your melee weapon then has boosted damage from the heat so you know to begin with you just have your arm cannon so your arm cannon becomes a melee weapon so you're shooting a bunch of enemies overheating and then you take on the rest of the enemies with your melee the problem is is that these enemies are very finicky as i said and so like meleeing them up close you'll sometimes like try and do it and then you'll accidentally kind of like clip into them and then you'll take damage because you're too close because of the melee so the melee just feels like there's a bit of there's a great idea behind it of like oh great overheat the cannon then the cannon becomes a weapon that does more damage and then once that's done you switch back to doing ranged again and all this works in theory but given the design of the bosses like it really doesn't it doesn't uh, come to fruition because of how, how little they stay in place because the bosses are often on the move. You, for the melee to work, you need them to kind of be standing there for a second in order to make it work. And so often I would find myself just using my cannon Overheating it and then just waiting for it to cool down because like it felt too dangerous and your health is so low and you take so much damage from bosses, it feels like there's no point in risking you going close to them to try and get a few melee hits in, where the likelihood is you're just going to trade blows and take way more damage than you need to otherwise, right? So, I think fundamental design problem there just from the bosses, despite the idea being really good. I think the execution of it isn't all the way there. and and yeah like this this other system where your missiles are governed by a uh almost a stamina bar where you don't have to collect missile packs or anything your missiles just recharge and you don't have to use missiles you have a, a variety of different weapons like there's one that you throw on the ground that's this little ball that explodes out and does like kind of shards on the ground and um, there's one that's like just a more powerful kind of laser beam shot um but I just kind of stuck to missiles the whole game because they felt like the most effective, most efficient form of doing things. So I didn't end up experimenting with the kind of the kind of badge system that they have. Um, and uh, yeah, I feel like because of that kind of stamina system, what ends up happening in boss fights is that you spam your missiles until you overheat, uh, you spam your gun until you overheat, and you just run away. And you just wait, and you're patient, and you dodge. And because of that, these fights take fucking forever. They just take so long, and you know the reason i stopped the game was i got to a fight where i felt like i was doing everything perfect i was like pretty much dodging everything nailing it and i got the boss to about half health after i don't know 3 4 minutes and you know and then just eventually death by a thousand cuts like i slightly get hit one slightly get hit and there's a bunch of health restoring things i had i had like um five um five health packs that you can just hit one of the trigger buttons and um and, and you know heal yourself back up but they don't heal a huge amount and eventually i just i just died and i was like i, I fought this guy like five six times and like you know and, and this happened multiple times throughout the game where i was like i should really keep going with this right because i kickstarted all the way back when i I, I want to keep going there's one boss in particular who's this giant fucking yellow ogre who just like drops down out of nowhere and then like has a million hp like the most hp of any anything in the game and you know then he just runs away and so you have to leave the room come back to respawn him and that's the way you kill him basically It's like oh slowly God. slowly leaving coming back leaving coming back and you have to keep your health but you can go and, you can actually go and re- reset your health back at the save stage uh, station but you shouldn't save because if you save it will reset their health bar but you can just go there and stand there to get your health back up and then i was just doing this again and again just to try and get rid of him because If I went to another area that I needed to go to to get an essential power up, the wall jump, I would be blocked off by him. But if I made him disappear for a period of time, I could then go south down through this area and it wouldn't block me off anymore. Anyway, it just feels like there are a lot of cool ideas here, but mechanically, it fundamentally can't pull them off. The game is just not... It just feels rickety, you know? Like, it Mm. feels like a ladder that's about to break at any second. And, you know, there's moments early in the game where the jump just feels like... There are spaces that are designed where I'm like... it it doesn't feel like this was well thought out in terms of the jump I'm making because the jump I'm making is necessitating that my, my character's head almost hits the ceiling and then I can't, like, wiggle in the air enough to make it to the next platform so I fall on a bunch of spikes and take a bunch of damage, right? Like, there's little bits like that where, like, the air dodge and, like, the spacing between platforms it's the type of thing that you can really appreciate from games like Hollow Knight and ori where like every section feels so well thought out in terms of a platforming like design and it feels like they either just didn't have enough time or they just didn't like consider those small elements that make those games sing from a polish perspective of like the little sections where every jump feels like it was intentional and it's just not the case here and i think that's you know i stuck with it for a good eight nine hours and i got through more of the game than you know i probably should thought have. i would uh i probably should have yeah um but i'm like you know is, is this really going to is it worth pushing through and the answer was no so i eventually have finally decided now's the time i'm just gonna stop i'm just gonna leave it and i got through most of the game and i've seen most of it and you know i think it's got some cool stuff going on with it as i've mentioned, mm. but ultimately it's just a big disappointment and and that's a real shame for something that i've been waiting for for (laughs) near on a decade now um and you know it's gonna happen you know and and, and what can you do about it but um uh yeah i i think that Go song is an interesting thing and i i I certainly have seen a lot of people be more positive on it a lot of uh, people on the internet who like it a lot more than i do and that's totally cool so it might be something that you're interested in um but yeah i do think that the for me it's just like the sponginess of those bosses like how much fucking health they have compared to how weak you are it just feels like the odds are stacked against you in a way that's not very enjoyable um mm. and the combat just isn't good enough to to justify that right um i think it's a thing that a lot of these games kind of get wrong about stuff like dark souls where like you know i i, I restarted elden ring recently uh and i beat margit um you know pretty quickly and you know you can do a good amount to market in a short amount of time he doesn't have an endless health pool even if you're not like super high level like you can take that dude down by just being careful and smart and you know it doesn't have an extended like 10 minute boss fight in order to just chip away at health forever and ever um and i think that that's a thing that a game like this could learn basically is that Mm. you really should balance it a bit more in favor of the player uh in
1: something you, you're right about margaret where it can be a balance where you can be a glass cannon and as long as you're careful about your health you've got enough power to take them down and yep. if margaret themselves have uh, just too bulky and take too long to take then that balance as you say just evaporates and doesn't exactly work. Um, yeah
0: totally um so well yeah. done
1: for for not beating it because i think in the old days of tnl we would really bang our heads up against a brick uh-huh. wall beating games similar to this one it sounds like and maybe not have the best time so yeah we need we need to become better at being like you know what this game just isn't quite cutting the mustard so let's yeah let's exactly. not push ourselves to finish it
0: yeah totally and um you know i think i played enough of it to where i'm like i'm just gonna put, I'm gonna put it on my list for this year because i you know i put nine hours into it right like and I, yeah. I don't always do that with with games but um i think it's uh i i beat it on my own terms which is walking away from it so so that's it uh, yeah <laughs> um so there you go um cool well uh that is going to do us for the first part of today's show we'll be back after the break uh where we shall be taking emails and answering them and saying things about them and i don't know why i'm doing this voice but i am anyway i'll see you next segment goodbye
1: Hello everyone and welcome back to the second part of today's show. It is time for emails. They are back and they're back with a vengeance, but we are low on emails, MBZ, and I would like to put out a call. We always need more, but particularly right now, we need some more emails. A lot of stuff going on right in about, I don't know, job layoffs at Giant Bomb or something. Let Let me know your thoughts. You know, we can talk about that. We can talk about... Anything going on? We want to hear your thoughts, your comments, your questions. So if you have any of those things, please email this nintendo life at gmail.com. That's this nintendo life at gmail.com. There's also a channel in our Discord server called emails. You can join our Discord server, you can post a comment, a question over there, and we would very much appreciate that. We can read that out on the show as well. Mm-hmm. But first our email, our well, first email, I should say, is from B King, who is from Sweden, says, Hey guys, it's been a while since I last wrote in, but it dawned on me that at this point in time, it has already been six years since I first discovered your podcast and wrote in for the first time. It was ahead of the launch of the Switch and the release of Breath of the Wild when I properly got back into gaming and started listening to podcasts on my commute. Ever since that time, your podcast continues to be my favourite gaming-related podcast, and I'll always look forward to listening to your discussions on all things Nintendo and non as soon as I receive notif- notification of a new episode release. Anyway, since my first ever question I wrote in was about what items from previous Zelda games you would have liked to see in Breath of the Wild, I thought to ask you the same question now ahead of the release of Tears of the Kingdom. Are there there some items you missed in Breath of the Wild that maybe could spice up the combat or be used for puzzle solving? Keep up the good work. Greetings from Sweden
0: uh thanks so much b king i appreciate it and
1: what did did we say last time i wonder
0: i don't know (laughs) you know maybe someone can go back into the archives uh and, and figure out but um yeah i uh i think that there was a lot of expectation going into like breath of the wild of like what it would do and i think it kind of like bucked so many trends in terms of you know the items were just a a set of tools right there was a totally mm. different approach uh, and there were there were fewer of them but they were more flexible you know um you know using the, the sheikah slate to use right. magnesis to do stuff which ironically uh all already originated in a previous zelda games in oracle of seasons i believe um where you have the magnet item and that magnet Kind of, you know, it's nowhere near as flexible as Magnesis in Breath of the Wild. So they clearly took it to another level. But you know, the the idea of a magnet item had existed in a Zelda game before, and I, I, you know, recall going back to that game and being like, "Oh shit, this is the origin of where Magnesis really came from." So in some ways, like they they took an old item, but they just put a new twist on it, Mm. um, and were able to kind of breathe a bit of fresh air into it uh you know uh, so so i think there's there's a lot of stuff that they could do in that sense and it feels like you know looking at the trailers and everything we have this this arm instead right and so this arm is is our functioning tool kit or like maybe ability to lift maybe the, the arm is just a telekinesis thing and that's all it does hmm. but there seems to be other abilities like being able to like warp through uh spaces by turning into a teardroplet or whatever coming from the ground to the sky um and like there are different like things that he has on his arm like that big kind of dragon flame thing that he had at one point in one of the earlier trailers so i, I don't know what the approach is going to be to items in this game and, and how they're going to work but um bally do you have any any kind of classic zelda mm. items that you would love to see return and maybe think of like what the spin would be on it totally. for uh, for this new type of zelda so
1: we, so we saw the kind of cart thing that link had where he's like driving across hyrule field on this it's basically just a plate with four wheels Mm. um why don't you just forget about the engine and why don't you stick a swift sail on that thing and you can just like sail across hyrule field um just some sort of mechanic and then why don't you throw in on top of that an item like the uh gust bellows from uh skyward sword or you could have the gust jar from minish caps kind yeah. of similar i think gust jar is a bit more it has a, a larger impact on the world around you like it creates a, a larger gust as it were because you could yeah. combine that with the swift sail and sort of self-propel yourself across hyrule field or something i think that could be cool uh but likewise i think the yeah. gust, but gust jar generally in dungeons the world around you it's a really cool idea where you can like suck and push all this air from one, you can take something from one enemy, put it away, like spit it out over on the other side of it of somewhere. Like, I think there's a lot you could do with that where you have to be careful with tears of the kingdom. If it's like breath of the wild, where it's not items per dungeon, as it were. I mean, maybe tears of the kingdom changes that. Who knows? Mm. Maybe there are going to be item specific dungeons. Who knows? But I think something like the gust jar is versatile enough where you could mix it up
0: a bit i think yeah like if if you are collecting air and then shooting out like just knocking enemies off cliffs is uh, a great thing that you can do you can kind of do that with the deku leaf already in breath of the wild like they have that element which i guess the deku leaf originally in wind waker also had a bit of a uh an kind of air based element uh, yes. to it right um so i think this idea has been in a few different games and you know breath of the Wild has it as well but i i, I the gust bellows i seem to recall mainly being used to suck stuff up and less so for pushing so i think uh, some of the um some of the enemies um i think the opposite i think they're more for blowing sand away in that in that is it more blowing because i yeah i guess it is blowing as opposed to sucking up isn't it it's like kind of creating space though right like it's it's right. pushing air it's out like to discovering stuff
1: under the sand by blowing yeah. away the sand yeah
0: yeah i guess you don't suck it up do you you do just kind of blow and it kind of moves out of the way right. um yeah I, I think that's that's a fun one and i think on a swift sale note like probably better to do that with an aerial vehicle right an airship almost uh, is what you'd want to create in that sense um but
1: it could be used for both i think that's really cool like it could be you could just if it's one more part that you can just add on to your banjo kazooie nuts and bolts kind of contraptions then yeah i'd love that Mm -hmm
0: yeah for sure uh i mean you know on that same note you could take the spinner from twilight princess uh and you know use it on vehicles you know um have that have that be uh
1: like what if they had like a little space for for the spinner and to spin was basically powering the vehicle yeah Yeah. exactly
0: Um, yeah yeah, yeah. it's the engine essentially that you rev up um i did i did want them in like breath of as dlc uh stuff obviously I gave the motorcycle which was great but um i was like you could just give us the spinner and make it good this time in terms of like traversing over the environment because that, <laughs> that's the one disappointment of Twilight princess is like okay the spinner is really cool but you have to have momentum in like specific spots to use it like yeah. the very few places in the overworld where you have a couple of puzzles with it but also like just mainly arbiter's grounds is where it's used where you're on rails right. uh, kind of like jumping between stuff there are, but, ha-
1: yeah there's a handful of areas in the open in the it's not open world but the world where they yeah. do have the, the those the, what did you call them the like the the, the puzzle kind of area spinner puzzle the, yeah, uh, sections, got, yeah. Like, the, the rails as it were rails um, yeah yeah but they're not frequent at all
0: yeah and and the problem is is that when you just jump on the spinner randomly in the middle of hyrule field it kind of goes for a little bit and then just dies and stops <laughs> yeah. and so like they'd very having... much did it
1: on purpose to stop you sailing across hyrule field didn't they like it was yeah very much, we want you to use this on the rails
0: and if not then get lost but the ideology of breath of the wild is like break shit man like that mm. <laughs> the, the very idea of the game is like do just go faster than the world can let you uh, and a lot of speedrunners have done that where like you go so fast that the game freezes to load the rest of it as they're like being tossed through the air at a million miles an hour so like i feel like people could do some real glitch stuff with the spinner to make it so that you uh you kind of shoot across uh, the planes i think uh, it would be mm. it would be good but yeah like the kind of mechanical workings of it make it feel like something that would work pretty well with this whole vehicle building stuff that is being introduced and um yeah i i, I would like to see that but um but again i think the problem with the spinner is it it feels so limited and what you can do with it like it's very it's kind of, the, and this I think is an issue with a lot of Twilight Princess items, like they're super cool, but they have such specific use cases that they don't have the flexibility yeah. of other items in other Zelda games, right? Um, so It's almost like
1: yeah. the fact that they are specific to dungeons allows the developer to make them even more unusual and cool, you know? Spinner's like, yeah. a great example because it is so unique to that dungeon and is such a crucial part of it that, yeah, mm-hmm. and I think they just get concerned about how will that work in the rest of the game kind of thing and yeah hopefully tears of kingdom can change that
0: yeah um, right go ahead i was i was going to say like uh, on that similar note of moving fast across the world uh pegasus boots have always been uh, a big thing in classic <laughs> yeah. zelda games however they yeah. are called pegasus boots right and that implies a certain thing which is flight, uh mm. you know, as opposed to speed. Oh. So like what if they brought in the Pegasus boots but they had little wings on them and you basically turned into Hermes and uh you know that's how you just fly right. as link throughout the world.
1: They've never been in a three D Zelda have they, the Pegasus boots? I
0: don't think they have, no. I'm pretty sure though. There
1: were the what were the boots that allowed you to walk on air in Ocarina of Time?
0: Oh right, like the invisibility kind of stuff. Yeah, yeah yeah those had like a i don't know if they were referred to as pegasus boots but that is kind of might have been
1: it's really changing the concept a bit. yeah yeah.
0: exactly uh it basically lets you kind of like hover over um you know mid-air essentially Mm. for a period of time before it disappears and then you kind of drop down um but yeah i mean pegasus boots has always been like a kind of 2d zelda tactic to get quickly from screen to screen right um and uh and yeah you don't really see that in the 3d games. so i think if you're going to bring it into a 3d game one which already has implications of first of all link shooting from the ground up to the sky and like zooming like morphing through concrete up onto a platform as mm. well as like vehicles ability to fly i think like a good end game item would be Pegasus boots that you find that you can then just fly anywhere as just link on his own just with his little little wings going on his feet and that's how he flies everywhere right, you know right. um that could be quite cool uh maybe pairing it with some just regular wings as well who knows um that could be a fun thing to do one
1: of my favorite things in breath of the wild was the memories where you have you get this image and you have to go to a very specific part of the map where that, it, where you can see that image and then there'll be a memory and then you do the cutscene, etc. Mm-hmm. It's very satisfying finding those areas. I want them to bring back the Picto box from Wind Waker. Okay. Rather than have a bajillion Koroks scattered through the like 900 odd or whatever, I don't care about that. I want the extra long, crazy person need to play more Zelda for a 200 hours mission to be you need to find all these... It'll be like memories or... It'll basically be... So if, for those who don't know, the picture box is the item in Wind Waker and there's a guy, there's a photographer guy with a shop and he gives you this challenge of like, you need to go into the world and take pictures of things and then he unlock, you unlock this um, figurine vault and you take pictures of things like enemies to the guy and he will give you a figurine for the picture of that enemy that you took and then you can collect collect i think it's like a hundred or something 150 figurines there's a lot of figurines
0: it's a lot of stuff especially because bosses count for it and so if exactly. you miss the boss i mean if you miss the boss you can technically do it on the re-fight when there's a boss rush at the end right but um it's uh it's it's tricky because there are missables in that exactly like you, can and miss stuff
1: out. you have to like replay the game and that it kind of all the save files linked together in a way and that's how you get all the figurines but um I want that to be brought into Tears of the Kingdom, but to forget all the enemies and just focus on vistas, a bit like the yeah. memories. So, mm. like we know that 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 open world and Breath of the Wild is so perfectly designed; like it's very specifically designed. This links to that. It, like, there's a real look to it. There's there's thought behind every corner, like Disney World. And I think my point is that Nintendo can get more out of that world by giving. More reasons for players to get to these vistas and points and take pictures, get them back to this potential picture box guy. I just mm-hmm. want there to be an a NPC in the game who's just passionate about pictures and vistas and right. paintings or something.
0: Like they have a museum, basically. They
1: have a museum of all these incredible areas in the game, exactly. Yeah. And your task is to go to locations and take incredible pictures. Throw in the fact that Tears of the Kingdom has got a lot of stuff in the sky like there might be quests where you need to take incredible an incredible picture of say hyrule castle from the sky and just i think it's just a really cool side questy sort of thing that would be awesome for tears of the kingdom because i thought the memories as great as they were there weren't actually that many of them and i think just something that embraces the beauty and design of that world a bit more um i'd personally love to see
0: i love that idea that's really really good Uh, especially like like having a museum like you could you could basically take blathers from animal crossing and put them into into <laughs> zelda or, or like have a nod to that where like the museum is in the sky and the curator of the museum is right like an, an owl npc yeah right? like i think and this could be, be like
1: and like cool. you know this is post-game stuff but it could be introduced to you like at the end game you know it doesn't yeah. have to be um but i just think something that is a bit more less frustrating and boring than discovering 900 koroks is what i'd hope yeah. for in some sort of post game that this game might have who knows
0: yeah no that sounds great I, I love that as a as a concept that that's really cool i mean not similar lines but like i've always been a huge proponent of the beetle from skyward sword i was um, about to say the beetle i love the beetle the Beetle's fantastic it's and so cool. i think that you can do some great like um scouting with that thing right Mm. and i think that breath of wild is a game that does so well from planning enemy encounters and all those types of elements so like having the beetle as this multi tool that can go and plant stuff right so for example you could pick up a bomb with the beetle place it somewhere that can then be remotely detonated you know to start a chain reaction like basically use it as a drone tool to kind of like Figure yeah. out what's going on as like the lay of the land, as well as like use it to carry and place things, and just basically be be like a kind of spy setup tool, essentially. um But also like with the sky and going between islands, like sending out on a mission to be like, is it worth me jumping over to get to that island, or should I stay on this one? Should I go to another one? Like, I think it has a lot of potential for uh for doing that and like you could potentially upgrade it as well to like go further and and all that sort of stuff because you know i think there has to be a bit of a limitation on it um you know i think about like assassin's creed odyssey which i played a lot of and the the eagle in that game kind of acts in a similar way but feels a bit more overpowered in the sense that you can kind of just go forever with the eagle (laughs) and just like go as far as you want and like just mark every enemy possible and it feels like it needs to be like similar to that but with a bit more functionality for like doing Mm -hmm. stuff um and and maybe like held back a little bit but uh yeah yeah, I think I think the beetle could be retrofitted into, uh, you know, Tears of the Kingdom to to make sense and be something that's good, or or even like if you're underground in caves, uh, stuff like that, like be a, like a light or like a uh, a, um, a yeah to- a torch essentially that you can kind of send mm. through uh, and and be able to to find stuff. And I think the the kind of blending of technology in this game with kind of uh, you know regular sword and board is uh, is something that the beetle would fit into yeah, pretty well. Very so, much so. fits yeah. perfectly in. Do,
1: do you lose any of the wonder of discovery on foot when mm. you might have pre-discovered the area flying a little beetle over the area yeah
0: yeah that's definitely a danger but maybe that doesn't
1: matter in Tears of the kingdom because a lot of the world is one we've already seen I that's true yeah it's yeah. true
0: um so yeah i don't know i think i think it's it's one that could potentially work um and, and come back but uh yeah we'll have to see um Timestones. Uh, time yeah mm. i
1: don't know How they would best fit, but I just thought they were so cool in Skyward Sword. And especially since, I mean, loads of Zelda's focus on time, but you know, there's a big emphasis in Breath of the Wild on you're playing in the post apocalypse and you're referencing the pre apocalypse. And something like imagine riding, having a time stone on the back of Epona or your horse or whatever, and you're riding through Hyrule Field, and as you're riding along, guardians are appearing are waking up and then disappearing as it's referencing the past Mm. you know what i mean or something like that there's something really cool and cinematic in there that they could do that references the story beats of the past and future and kind of things it doesn't necessarily have to be puzzle related it could just be spectacle um i don't know there's something cool they could do there
0: yeah i mean the breath of the wild generally like was a game about the past right and about yeah. litigating what happened so i think mechanically it would work here uh, and, and would make sense and i, I think we're going to be delving into more of that stuff in the, in the actual game so um yeah, it would I I don't know how it would work if if you were to kind of take that mechanic and make it more of a kind of active thing the player was able to do whenever and wherever. That would be kind of nuts cuz then you could do yes. it like anywhere across the world and I think that would be uh probably a yeah. bit of an insane oh thing, but um yeah. but that would be amazing if if they're able to make it work. Um there are definitely items I think in the series that are very like <laughs> specific and they don't tend to do uh, a lot outside of those specific things. Um and i feel like you can kind of expand on those right like i don't know what you would do with it but i feel like link should have a cane or a rod of some type to do some kind of magic shit and i don't know what that is but this is kind of like a kind of amalgamation of like the cane of burner from link to the past with the where it like creates the the blocks and like the dominion rod that controls things like some sort of cane some kind of magic wand i feel is necessary um and i don't know what it would do but i feel like i don't know i feel like that's something that that could be cool uh in in this game i don't know i like the idea it did of have
1: the fire rods and ice rods in the first game that's like, true they're very yeah. simple just do yeah fire and ice but um yeah I'd definitely room for more more rods
0: yeah i guess yeah those ones are more about like control right and mm. and like um taking control i think if you were to do the dominion rod it would have to be more applicable across enemies where like you activate it and then whoop all of a sudden you're playing as the enemy right like that would be that'd be great right yeah because i remember using dominion
1: mario odyssey in there
0: yeah exactly like it's it's basically like cappy essentially at that point in time where you just dominion rod into an enemy and you start like moving around as them and like you know messing up things with their friends and all that sort of stuff like that seems like a huge fucking amount of programming work to be able to control every enemy (laughs) in the game but like wow that i think that would be uh, a great like because Dominion Road was a great idea, but it was just like, well, I have to do it on these dumb statues every time, and yeah, it was
1: it was a little bit akin to the the spinner in some senses,
0: like very pretty specific. much. I do think yeah.
1: the. um i think it's the sand rod in link between worlds i'd love to see that in a 3d space like imagine a big boss fight in an open sand area and you're casting like a big wall of sand to like yeah say say it's like a traditional boss that kind of runs around and you have to create a wall of sand for it to run into to then Mm. stun it and then you do your sword attacks or whatever just pretty simple zelda design but just i think in a 3d space something like that you can do the same with like water and ice i know that you've got the the what do you call the ice the name it's like the freeze rune yeah Yeah. yeah, cryosis cryosis Cryosis, yes yeah yeah so something like that but just a bit more fluid and rod like
0: yeah no that would be neat you could just Uh, keep
1: going do you think this is these are the discussions that they must have like oh man (laughs) yeah this game and they must have just thousands of ideas that don't make it obviously but
0: there are tons i mean there's so many stuff in there there's so many items just across the series history right like does is a hook shot just like not needed anymore right because of all the other stuff that you have in this game because i was like well would you put the hook shot in tears of the kingdom i don't know if you can just fucking fly through the air now like is it is it necessary to be like a a kind of like subpar spider-man with hook (laughs) shots you know um yeah i think that because of the the spaces, right, and like the gap between these islands, it all feels so much more built around obviously the um the glider and, and getting to the places there. But also just having this machinery to kind of ferry you between those spaces, um, as opposed to like a hook shot that can only reach so far and wouldn't really be helpful to kind of like get mm. you across, you know. Um yeah, I don't know. I don't I don't think I don't think that's one that actually kind of works in Tears of the Kingdom. No. I think it no. feels a bit more limiting um as a thing um yeah i mean i always love the ball and chain i think twilight princess and skyward sort of are good for this because they have so many different like weird ones mm. um ball and chain is just like it ball and chain to me almost feels like just a weapon you would find on the ground in breath of the wild though right like it's like <laughs> yes. oh here's this just giant heavy thing that i yeah. can now use so i wouldn't be surprised if that just ended up being just like a regular weapon you can get from enemies mm. right mm. um that almost makes a bit more sense uh because it was really built for specific puzzles in twilight princess that required like something powerful to break a wall but i don't think that's the design ethos of something like these new zelda games because right. they want you to be able to break that wall in seven different ways using seven different <laughs> methods right um so like the ball of the chain could be one of those but it would be alongside bombs and uh, fire arrows triggering some explosion and, and all that other stuff as well yeah. so yeah. um yeah there's, there's lots of stuff um any last ones you want to shout out about oh
1: i've I'm, I'm all out i'm all out we could keep going for hours i'm sure yeah <laughs>
0: um i i do like the the hammer from link between worlds uh that lets you kind of spring up to places like okay, how do yeah. you how do you implement that into 3d um again a hammer could just be a big weapon you know um i think some of these past items removed from the context of their games so are like yeah that probably just could be a weapon i guess because they don't have like specific uh things that they could do within the world but um yeah um thank you b king for the question very good stuff
1: staying with tears of the kingdom dave 97 on discord says do you think the legend of zelda tears of the kingdom will face stiff competition from games like starfield among the various game of the year award shows and outlets
0: yeah what's winning game of the year oh my goodness i mean if i was to have a gun to my head right now i would say tears of the kingdom probably um what are its biggest contenders man like the thing is, right, the type of game that Elden Ring and Breath of the Wild are, are the type of game that it feels like everybody wants. And mm-hmm. from what I've seen from Starfield, it feels like the type of game that like will probably sell very well to a broad audience, but is it what everybody wants, you know? Like that's that's the question that I have, is like for a game like Starfield is so much more reliant on traditional narrative and you know traditional kind of open world mechanics um a lot of shooting guns like is there gonna really be any flexibility there obviously Bethesda there's to have a history of like you know skyrim has a level of what breath of the wild does like there's a level of kind of like flexibility with its systems of stuff like you know grabbing a bucket and putting it over a shopkeeper's head and then you can take all their items because they can't see you right like stuff like that is really funny and i think that the the games that bethesda makes allows for those types of things where you can just drop a coin on the ground and you can come back to it 20 hours later and that coin is still there on the ground right like stuff that is persistent within a world and if starfield leans into that in a way that really works then i think that definitely has a possibility to uh to kind of get people more interested but it has been a long time since bethesda made a game that everybody loved as well right there's mm. there's a real kind of uh shakiness on the ground well, hi-fi rush was just last week though <laughs> uh sure i mean tango and <laughs> but, yeah, yeah. The, the bethesda themselves is, is slight separation but i totally get what you mean like there's there's a um there's a worry there though i think from a lot of people of their ability to put out a huge open world thing which apparently has like hundreds of planets in it that they're all fully explorable and all that sort of stuff like there's a real ambition here and it maybe feels like they're biting off more than they can chew with like all the stuff they're attempting to do here right um are there any other like big games coming out this year that Hmm. are really in the same space because i'm not sure there are really i i mean
1: different types of games but i uh, i think that the more traditional cinematic narrative two big hitters for the year that have a chance because games like obviously last of Us part two one i think mm-hmm. are jedi survivor and spider-man 2 yeah I, think, I still think tears of the kingdom will probably beat both of those in the same way that a game like elden ring beat god of war where i think there's something about more innovative open world nat- like if, you're, if you if you if you want to put together your Award-winning game, I think. Yes, Last of Us Part Two is up there, but I think the type of game that Elden Ring is actually trumps that formula. As I it. think so. It, if Elden Ring
0: released in the same year as Last of Us Part Two, I, I think, think Elden Ring winning. wins yeah, yeah, game totally. of the year. Yeah, and I totally. think
1: that Tears of the Kingdom will fall closer into that Elden Ring camp, and as a result, and mm-hmm. on paper and in, in theory, should beat out games like Spider-Man Two and Jedi Survivor, as good as I'm sure those games might be. Mm -hmm. um i think my fear for tears of the kingdom is like if this game just doesn't run well and gets hammered for that you know like it's when we see what you're doing in that game is biting off so much but if there is one developer who can make insane ideas work well with less hardware it's definitely nintendo so i Mm -hmm. i don't put it past them i think one of my predictions was that it would run really well Um, yeah i don't have faith in that prediction but there's a chance that it will run very well and be a smooth 30 um and if it does i think that it's got a lot going for it to take game of the year maybe final fantasy 16 i'd throw in there sure yeah i think
0: i think the interesting thing about that is it's definitely gonna be more narrative focused from like because everyone praises the 14 story so much right and that's the team who are making 16 it feels like that's the thing that a lot of people are looking forward to with this game um it also feels quite like the final fantasy game series has evolved a lot and always has different combat system every single outing and it feels like the more and more it's evolved in the modern era the less and less it's become a traditional rpg in the Mm. you know turn-based sense right because 15 was action-based combat and like this is basically devil may cry i believe they hired a uh, former devil may cry uh, combat guy from capcom uh, onto the 16 team um, oh, and i wow. think that's certainly showing in terms of what we've seen so far from you know the, the combat that's going on in that game um you know final fantasy has been through some rough patches and has certainly had its fair share of kind of uh development troubles like 15 being a prime example of a game that was initially something completely different that then just had to be cobbled together into what eventually became final fantasy 15 um whereas this feels like from the ground up it's been built um to be something you know deliberate uh and hasn't had as much of an you know trouble development from what we've seen anyway or from what we've heard and, and it feels like the team behind it are a, a team that kind of know a bit more what they're doing so um yeah i i think that it will be good but i do still think that it doesn't speak to a wide enough audience no. um it speaks to a big audience but there's still people who will much prefer to play stuff like zelda and Starfield as opposed to final fantasy just because of the fantasy element uh there uh, and the kind of the kind of japanese uh leaning that, that that game has um so i think it will be very good the question is like how good and um and will will zelda just kind of walk it this year do you think it do you think there's a possibility of that because i think for yes. me oftentimes <laughs> oftentimes the real uh interesting games the ones that i think should win never do because they're all independent games right like you know it's it's totally. so rare to have one of those games you know for example stuff like citizen sleeper pentiment tunic last year were all better than a lot of the big games that came out and yet didn't get in any of those you know awards uh celebrations yeah. and um and, like, is there going to be a, an indie game that comes out this year that I think is better than Tears of the Kingdom? There's a likelihood. There's a chance. Um, it's definitely possible. Uh, but I don't think that when it comes to the big stage of big outlets giving out awards and stuff like that, that they will ever lean in that direction. Um, just because most people, you know, and we talked about this before, like, Game of the Year tends to be a popularity contest because it has to yes. be an amalgamation of multiple people and multiple people or all individuals who have all individually played things and most of those individuals would have played most of the big things versus the small things Mm -hmm. um which is why it's hard to get smaller games to win these awards and the only reason stuff like celeste and hades made it is because they broke through to such an extent yeah that everyone was playing them right? i'd
1: love it if something like silk song could do that this year i think it has a chance but now um,
0: that's an interesting point that's a very interesting point and uh, probably the only indie game you know announced right now that has a shot of taking down uh zelda that we
1: know of yeah yeah i mean it's it's hard to stealth to release an indie game in the same way i guess but of yeah, course it's, it's it's most likely right yeah Gun to your head, what are the six TGA Game of the Year nominations? Do you want me to go first? Uh, Sure, go for it. Okay, Tears of the Kingdom, Spider-Man 2, uh, Jedi Survivor, Final Fantasy XVI, Starfield, and Hogwarts Legacy oh my god that is so you know depressing right. you No, know i'm right holy
0: shit that is so depressing <laughs> but uh, i'm right but it's probably correct yeah i mean from the stuff that we know about right now yeah I, i've like, not
1: put in forza motorsport but i know horizon got shafted the other year so i'd be survived su- survived uh surprised if uh forza motorsport could get in there but um maybe you could sub that in for hogwarts legacy
0: God, if Hogwarts Legacy is in the fucking game of the year list, like Jesus fucking Christ! Uh, Oh my God! I mean, you know, aside from all the you know uh, controversy and everything, just like the game itself sounds like the most mediocre fucking thing I've ever heard of. So, like, wow, that that would be that would be extremely rough. I mean, like again if hi-fi rush isn't in there then i'm oh, just going to be annoyed bit, anyway yeah, no, you know that's
1: fair. like um i could also sub out hogwarts legacy for hi rush yeah that's the slot. yeah i
0: i honestly do think that hi-fi rush will make it uh, yeah. over hogwarts yeah. legacy but uh, would you, you know, have the same six otherwise i think like it's probably going to be because like as we've done this so many times what i have learned is that the boring games are always going to be the ones that mm-hmm. get on there right the like,
1: sequels the the yeah. predict the triple a the yeah the exactly
0: <laughs> exactly it's just gonna happen it's inevitable so you know i think that 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 will probably likely be um you know if if spider-man comes out it will be on there right like it's just kind of guaranteed um it's kind of guaranteed a spot um so yeah uh starfield could flop you know if Starfield's a terrible game then then it probably won't make it right i
1: think it could get low 80s and still be in that in that top six yeah i guess unfortunately yeah i guess um, so if it gets bl- below that i'd be shocked if it got in the top six but you never know yeah.
0: well we'll see uh it's going to be an interesting one there's a lot of big games coming out this year already has been quite a few yeah. That have yeah. Dropped but
1: in short sure, i do think tears of the kingdom is romping home to loads of wins including the tga so that's, yeah it's, it's gonna happen
0: it's it's i think especially after that last trailer like the vehicle stuff feels mm. like such oh, a big oh my God. Yeah. thing that already is kind of setting it a little bit more apart from breath of the wild that i think we were expecting so right. um, I, I think that totally. is going to be um you know a factor a big factor for sure our final questions from capsule
1: j and this one's on discord says which do you think will come out come out first metroid prime 4 or metroid 6
0: oh boy i mean you know which one i want to come out first <laughs> uh, uh but i'm not sure i uh, have uh, the agreement of the majority of the internet alongside me um I think honestly like with primary master coming out to me that says we're ramping up to talk about prime 4 right like i think like the idea that primary master has been kicking around for so long and people like jeff grubb have been talking about how this has been in the works for ages and ages and it's kind of been sitting around like nintendo tend to do recently of like they finish a game they're like nah we'll just wait until it's an opportune moment and so there has to be a reason why they now decided to release prime remastered right like i mean part of it is that we're in the kind of end of the switch's life cycle and so they're probably padding things yeah. out a little bit And you've had the last
1: five years why wait till now you know
0: yeah exactly but like they want to capitalize on excitement around the idea of Metroid Prime, right? That's the whole marketing strategy behind putting out a remake like this, especially when you already have a sequel announced is build excitement around, you know, introduce people to the series who have not played it before because it has been 20 years since the game came out originally, uh, or at least the the series started, and it's been at least over a decade since people have really been able to play a new entry in the series. So like the idea that metro prime 4 is not close to being revealed in some state is it it feels like it's inevitable to me right like it feels like at e3 this year or whatever whatever nintendo do because it's not going to be at e3 but whatever presentation they do around the summer has to have some metro prime 4 component to it in some way because otherwise it just feels a bit off that they would just release this and then not do anything else with metro prime 4 um and it's been so long it's been four years since they rebooted development right because they announced it in 2017 they rebooted development around february this time they put that video on youtube uh being like hey guys sorry about this we're changing developers that was 2019 we're now in 2023 it's been four years since retro studios have started work on retro prime 4 and we have seen nothing absolutely zero so you know i know development times are getting longer and longer and they probably had to scrap a bunch of stuff that was done originally on their first iteration of the game but it feels like now would be the time where they start talking about it and Mm. so that combined with the fact that they put out metro prime remastered feels like okay they're at least going to start talking about it this year the question is does it come out before mercury steam are able to turn around a sequel to Metro dread and like i don't know it feels like dread did in itself take a long time because samus returns was 2017 and dread was 2021 uh so that was four years in and of its Mm -hmm. own right so it feels like if they're going to do another game in the metroid 2d saga then i think it still probably comes out like 2025 right like that's when i would expect to hear or see one of those so i do actually think that despite all the memes around metro prime 4 it is more likely that prime 4 comes out before metroid 6 i do still stand by that how do you feel about
1: well obviously metroid prime 4 is in the narrative lineage of metroid prime and metroid 6 is in the narrative lineage of metroid fusion so the yeah. obvious thing the obvious thing, the obvious thing in my mind is that these games are coming out on the same day just like oh, Metroid right, Fusion the yeah. metroid prime of you course know? That's yeah the yeah thing um, happen. But I think in reality you're probably right. I think Metroid Prime 4 we are in the build up to it and that is, as you say, the reason why Prime Remastered came out now. Uh, I think it will be less than four years between um, Dread and Metroid 6 uh, but that, I think that still puts Prime 4 ahead of Metroid 6. So
0: yeah. Yeah,
1: interesting. I, I mm, And I think our vague predictions were that we might get the next Switch next year. And I'm still convinced Metro Prime Four might just come out on both the old Switch and the new Switch. But I think Metroid six is beyond even that launch. Like I think it's later. So yeah, Metro Prime Four.
0: Yeah, I mean you could argue again, as you said, like because they have the kind of infrastructure set up for dread and, you know, everything that they did with that game, that there could be a quicker turnaround time on it, um, especially because, you know, they did a remake, then they made a brand new game, and now they're going to make another, uh, presumably another brand new game, given how well Dread did and, and how people received it. Um, like, there is almost an argument for them to come out in the same year, right? Like, is 2024 the year, like, end of 2024, the year that we see both of these games happen? Um, in which case, I would be delighted. That would be great for everybody. But They
1: could come out the same year, even if it's not the same day. you Yeah, totally. Right. Yeah, yeah, yeah.
0: yeah um, it's, it's a possibility um but i don't know nintendo tend to to me it feels like they tend to like to space out games within the same series uh over different years yeah um because you don't want to have like i mean i don't know actually if i that's
1: Kirby*, and you get three games in the same exactly
0: <laughs> yes caribbean is the one example where that is <laughs> and no rules apply to him whatsoever but like um I guess like three hopes uh, warriors three hopes was announced alongside us knowing about engage maybe i think i think both were known about uh at the same time but one came out like the end or like the middle of one year and one came out at the start of the next year so you know there's a proximity there but it's still within two different calendar years so maybe it's the case that prime 4 comes out november 24 and metroid 6 whatever it is comes out march 25 right like mm. they're within a four month period of each other so they are close but they are split across calendar years um just from a kind of marketing perspective i think that might be exactly something yeah. nintendo want, would want to do um but yeah i don't know uh which are you more excited for Hmm
1: um i i'm more excited for metroid prime 4 i think
0: even after all the like years of development hell and troubles um you're still looking forward to it yeah i mean i've never
1: finished metroid prime 3 i've only played like the first four hours so i'm looking forward to the rumored port of that coming to switch at some point before metroid prime 4 because the rumor is that two and three are also going to come but they're not going to be as remastered as one has been yeah um i would like to play three i think two as i've said before on the show is it's metroid prime on hard mode it's longer and harder and more brutal than the first game um but i did enjoy that not that i want to play that game again anytime soon yeah i am very excited for metroid prime 4 i still think i i would like to play the first game to be honest this year if i can find a window to play it because it's been a long time since i've even played that game even Mm -hmm. i played it about 10 years 12 years after it came out right when this yeah we started this show and yeah i loved dread i i had a probably had a better time with dread than i thought i was gonna have and it is it is probably my favorite 2d metroid it just gets the balance right so i think metroid 6 could be a phenomenal phenomenal game uh but yeah prime 4 just edges it in terms of my excitement but they're both Mm -hmm. still incredibly high up mike and a list of most anticipated nintendo games
0: yeah for sure um i'm 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 morbidly fascinated by what they do with metro prime 4 even if Mm. i I'm not looking forward to it from a personal perspective. I mean we'll see how I go with the first game this year, right, when I get around to it.
1: I'm very interested. Yeah. I I think you'll have some rough spots, but it's overall hopefully I have a good time. One yeah. recommendation I want to make and this is something I didn't do but I saw Liam Robertson on Twitter tweeting about this. He made the point get like get the Chozo um artifacts. There's like a room you can unlock very near the start that like gives you the clues to where all the artifacts are. Do that early game and at least vaguely attempt to get them along the way because Mm. you don't have, unlike the Triforce pieces in Wind Waker, you don't actually have to do it all at the end. It's just that's the way that a lot of people end up doing it. Right. Um, So if you are able to access that room very early on, which he says you can, go there, get the clues and try and dig around, work that, work out how to get them along the way and you'll probably have a better time at least with that aspect.
0: Okay. Okay yeah that sounds like a good tip um i definitely will will get to it at some point i have to you uh, have um, to actually <laughs> obligated to play it this year so i will um but i couldn't uh, i
1: couldn't have timed it better because i said right mbz this year is the year and then like two three weeks later they're just like oh yeah stealth dropped um, yep. metroid yep. prime remastered so there you go yeah just exactly. for you mbz
0: thank you yeah really appreciate <laughs> that uh very happy um so yeah i mean you know, we're always going to be chatting about Metroid on this show and and uh, hyped about Metroid, but uh I don't like. I'm so fascinated what they do with the new 2D Metroid, given how Dread ends and like what it says about like where they can go from here. Like it, it is kind of an end cap on like that quote-unquote narrative uh, of of the 2D Metroid saga. Like the future is very interesting. Of like, what do they do? There are different places they can go with it, and I'm I'm super excited to see what they what they decide to do with it. So we shall see um and uh, and yeah i think i think that's probably going to do us Bally. i think that's going to do us for that emails us. Um, thanks everybody for writing in uh, if you want to write in and we need more emails bali where can they send those to
1: please email this nintendo life at gmail.com that's this nintendo life at com. and as i said before there's also the channel over on our discord server called emails we also want your comments your questions over there
0: Absolutely, to send those all in. Uh, cool. We're gonna close things out here uh, by going through our usual uh, wrap up. Um, so, uh, uh, of course, we'd like to give big shouts and thank yous to the people who support us over on Patreon.com. If you go to Patreon.com/slash ThisNintendoLife, you can find some different tiers there to uh, subscribe to and get some bonus content, things from us uh, if you so please. And Bali would like to thank some folks.
1: Yes, thank you to our brand new patron, Corey B. We hugely appreciate your support. And thank you to our $10 tier patrons. They are Zach S., Thomas, Matthew, Albert, and Wicked Gamer UK Allen. Thank you all for your $10 tier support. But also, thank you to all of our patrons. Um, it's hugely appreciated the support you give the show. Um, and it really means a lot to us. We
0: really, mm-hmm. really appreciate it. Let's, let's just dig into interesting little games like Blanc, uh, which we might not yeah, otherwise definitely. have gotten to, uh, and chat about and uh, get some good discussions. So, yeah, absolutely appreciate that. Um, cool. You can find us all over the internet in different places. The show is available on Spotify. We are on Stitcher. You can download us in any podcasting app that you have. Just search for this Nintendo Life, um, subscribe, and all that good stuff. And you can also review us on those platforms. You can review us on Apple Podcasts. You can also review us on Spotify, which is easy to do just head over to the app you hit that five star button there's no other stars five is the only one that exists and you hit that uh, and that will uh, that will confirm it for you and uh, and then you go and live your life for the rest of time uh, leaving us with a nice little spotify review so if you're uh, happy to do that we'd appreciate it uh, and that would be very very nice um you can find us in various places on the internet i am at LordNBZ on twitter where are you bally
1: i'm on twitter at ballyman 91 that's ba
0: l-y-m-a-n-9-1
1: i actually got a play of the game as baptiste can you wow. believe it
0: congratulations I literally have never seen that in my life before because <laughs> <laughs> either no one plays as him or just like uh there's yeah it's really as a healer it's so fucking hard to get a play of the game like impossible um that said i have gotten uh, a couple of kiriko play of the games recently uh-huh. and uh and i've gotten a couple of symmetra play of the games recently uh-huh. as well it seems to really like it
1: when a you get kills that lead to like kill streaks uh and then use your healing like at the same time it seems like there's something about the combination that the player games like oh that was really good you used, you healed and killed at the same time really impressive so yeah i'd recommend that
0: yeah yeah just just try to do that it's super easy uh yeah uh and uh yeah that's it i think that's that's <laughs> end of the show um cool uh i don't know what's going on with you Barry. what are you gonna do now for the next two I know,
1: i've just got lots
0: of lots of games to
1: play lots of six nations to be watching yeah, Love a bit yeah. Of my rugby that's exciting yeah, scotland are sure. still unbeaten at the time of recording and probably in a few hours we will have lost to france but that's cool okay well because that's all right. we're still in the hunt even if we lose to france and that's, that's exciting
0: very, very good cool well uh i'm gonna go and play some video games and and do some other stuff and uh yeah we'll uh, we'll be back in a couple of weeks time with some more chat uh, around all those types of things and stuff and having a good time uh and uh, we will see you very soon until then thank you everybody for listening bye-bye folks The musical interlude used on today's show was Challenge from Kuru 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 Kururin, copyright Nintendo 2001.